Welcome, and thank you for listening to this episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them on to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On today's show, I'm joined by Jonathan DeRoach, Managing Partner at Nationwide General Contracting. John's understanding of the insurance restoration industry and keen insight has enabled him to be a leader in the space. Based out of Orlando, Florida, we'll discuss some of the uniqueness to working in one of the most regulated states, what he does to differentiate himself, and how he retains some of the area's top talent. We'll also discuss the three challenges he foresees, how to prepare for them, and the thing he wished he knew when he started his career selling in the Northern Virginia, D.C., Maryland area. Well, I'm excited to get this show started, so let's go. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hey, I usually like to start this out by asking uh, our guests, you know, how did you get started in this business? Uh, dude. Long story, but the short version is <laughs> nope. uh, he, Jonathan. I've noticed nobody has a short version to this story. Like it's always there's always some kind of good background to it. Yeah, I try to give everybody like my elevator pitch. Yeah, because people aren't really interested in a huge amount of background. But if they, <laughs> you know what? Fine, I'll give you the extended spark notes. There version. we go. All right. So um, <laughs> when I was younger. I actually, the, the guy I first started working for, he was my small group leader at church when I was a kid. And uh, what happened was I moved to Ethiopia for my junior and senior year. And I came back to America and I was like, yo, what do I do with myself? Bro, nobody would give me a job because I didn't have experience. And so I did, I tried to do manual labor, whatever. Nobody wanted to give me a job. So I was like, all right, I know who to call. I'm going to call my old, uh, my old small group leader. I called him. He's like, all right, you can knock doors. And I was like, dude, I don't know how to do that, but fine, let's just, let's just rock and roll. <laughs> and so um, I literally started knocking doors right out of high school through college. And, you know, I just kind of, I, I stuck to it. That's, that's more or less my story. <laughs> where, where was this at? Where were you doing it? Uh, Northern Virginia, right outside DC. So Virginia and Maryland. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm actually, uh, I'm, I'm in uh, Maryland in between uh, Baltimore and DC area. So Rather oh, right familiar, on. rather familiar with the area. Now, where are you today? I'm down in Orlando, Florida. Okay, awesome. And and what's the what's the company's name? Uh, nationwide Exteriors. We have a bunch of different nationwide companies, uh, like Nationwide Gutters, Nationwide Solar, Nationwide X, Y, and Z. Awesome. And then, what what do you guys specialize in? Generally speaking, it's just insurance restoration and roofing. Um, we do a lot of roofing. So the thing is, is that we have a commercial division and we have, let's assume 85% of our work is residential, but we just kind of like stumble upon literally everything. You know, we even bought a gutter machine. So we were tired of subbing out to other people because like, you know, you have to hang your hat on that, but um, more or less it's just roofing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of our listeners, um, they're, they're not as in touch with, uh, what happens or what transpires in, in the insurance world. So do you mind just kind of giving us a high level overview of, of what that looks like? 
effectively in homeowners policies, if they have an HO3 policy, they should have coverage for hail, wind, storms like that. So in the event that they have a high enough wind speed storm or a large enough hail storm, and they have the type of roof that would get damaged by one of these events, as long as it's covered by their policy, once their insurance company comes out, they will eventually pay for the replacement of the roof, sometimes gutters, sometimes siding, you know, just the literally whatever. But it's it's completely contingent on the kind of policy that the client has. And then at the end of it, well, the insurance company pays for the replacement. Yeah, you make it sound so easy. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, got to break it down to simple things, right? Yeah, we could talk about this for weeks or we could talk about it for 30 seconds. Right, right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. So now in Florida, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, from what I understand, the the maybe laws isn't the right term, but it's a little bit of a different market in Florida than say in Northern Virginia. Is that correct? It, um, Florida is effectively Narnia uh, when it comes to the insurance restoration industry. Um, it's in my honest opinion, I've said this in many depositions when I've been deposed as an expert witness. I, I just say, look, this is literally the most corrupt state of the entire country when it comes to insurance. Um, the entire thing it's, it's absolutely absurd, but you know, it's not so different that you couldn't figure it out. It's just every timeline is extended exponentially. And this isn't just the insurance company's fault. It's also the freaking ambulance chaser attorney's fault. You know, there's so many people down here who are always trying to file claims and, you know, get one over on the insurance company that, um, man, we just have a very litigious, society. In fact, you have billboards on every street corner of another attorney. And a lot of this comes down to this thing called fee shifting. And the fee shifting means that if you sue your insurance company over a storm related claim, or, you know, it it might be any type of claim, but ask an attorney about that. Um, If you prevail in winning, the insurance company actually pays the fees. So that's given rise to all these different attorneys and, you you know, throw things against the wall because, you know, homeowner doesn't necessarily have to pay it. So it, it makes for an interesting situation where insurance companies so desperate to hold on to their money are, in my personal opinion, a little bit more crooked. But it also, on the flip side, you know, what do you, what do, you do when you're going up against the, some wolves? Like, not all attorneys and not all roofers are bad, but, yo, man, there are some bad actors, and it's just really screwed it up for the rest of us. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, what would you say are maybe some of the other you know, top two or three things that, that make Florida a different uh, animal than, than some of the other parts of the country? All right, so let's, let's put it this way. Let's assume uh, you said you're between Baltimore and uh, D.C. So are you in Rockville or Columbia? Uh, Columbia. Columbia. Columbia? Yep. Okay, cool. So let's assume I, you, you and I, you sign up with me right now. We get your roof approved. You have a check in hand. I'm going to go order materials and I'm just going to roof it. And I can be done within eh, three, four days, right? Just from check, delivery, roof, and close it out. We're done. I don't have to pull a permit. No issues. Down in Orlando, down in Florida in general. And the, the farther south you go, the worse it is. What'll happen is you have to first pull a permit. Then you wait on the county or the city. Then after you have your permit, then you have to go post it. After you post it, then you have to call in your inspection. With your inspection, you might have an in-progress inspection, which means that they want to see the sheathing or the way you're nailing, or they have a dry inspection. 
there are sheathing inspections, there are drying inspections, there are in progress inspections, there are final inspections. And all in all, just getting the dumpsters to where they need to be, getting the permits to where they need to be. I think it's it's five times as hard. I, I was just I was telling somebody this the other day uh, that I think I could run a hundred roofs a week for the same amount of work that I do 25 roofs a week down here in uh, the Virginia, Maryland market. And uh, so that's one of the things. So that's permitting. Permitting is a bear. And uh, the other thing about Florida, Florida building code, I, I actually lined up all my books one day and I, I made a goofy video about this. It's about six feet tall. Like if you put all of the books that you have to study in order to get your CCC license on top of wow. each other, Florida building code, FBC, six feet tall, insane. But, you know, I walked in and took my Virginia and Maryland tests. It's a two and a half hour test versus the 12 hours worth of testing that I had to take in order to get my uh, Florida state certified. And, you know, look down here in order to get my CGC, I had to take about 20 hours worth of testing while I have a class A general contractor's license in Virginia for about four hours worth of testing. So, you know, like that's, that's a pretty substantial difference. And, um, to, to piggyback on the whole building code thing, everything's stricter here. Everything's over-engineered. We have our entire own governing bodies who are just like, we're Florida. We, we don't care about what anybody else in the rest of the country does. We do roofs our way. And, you know, reasonably so, man. We have, we have higher winds than anywhere else in the country. We have higher precipitation mm -hmm. than anybody else in the country. It's literally just a different animal. Like, you know, it's from going, it's like going from a gorilla to, to King Kong. Um, that's just my personal opinion, but okay. So that's, that's two things. Um, the other thing that I would say is that roofing materials react differently in Florida than they do anywhere else. And the reason being, and by the way, by everywhere else, I actually mean anywhere else in America, <laughs> the distance from the equator is the angle of the sun actually causes the materials to break down at an accelerated rate which means that, so if I could install a roof that I could think is going to last 50 years in Maryland, it's going to last 20 years because of the way that the sun degrades, everything washes it out. It's not going to last as long. It's just, it's, it's just a thing. You know, uh, one of the guys from Beacon Building Products, uh, his name's Brian Richings. When I first moved down here about five years ago, he's like, John, we're in a gigantic swamp with a burning ball of fire above our heads. And uh, the thing is, is that just nothing's going to last as long as you think, but it's okay. All you got to do is try and put out the best product possible. I was like, oh, cool. I, by no means did I think that it was going to deteriorate that fast. I thought everybody was exaggerating. No, they're, they're not exaggerating. So those are my three things. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. Uh, do you see, a, a, um, is a majority of the homes down there tile or are they asphalt shingle or what's that look like? So the farther you go south, into Miami, the higher percentage of tile. The farther you go north, the higher percentage of shingle. Now, shing uh, shingle is always going to just be like a builder grade material and commodity, while tile and metal and stone coated steel and stuff like that, those are always for your designer homes. Right? You find them everywhere. We got a bunch of tile, but literally, tile is kind of like a status symbol more than it is a you know, this is a better roof type situation. I've seen the way some roofers do tile and literally they were only lasting 20 years. It's just kind of disturbing. But mm -hmm. anyway, that, that, that's literally it. The farther north you go, the more shingle, the farther south you go, the more tile. And it's just direct correlation. 
do you have a preference then on, 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 um, you know, which ones you'd rather work with? <laughs> if you could pay for tile, I want to do tile every day of the week. The thing is, is that it's yeah. just not in everybody's budget. Literally like Eagle tile will warranty their tile for 75 years. They're like, look, this is a lifetime product. And if you build your tile roof the proper way where you were making sure that all the water sheds onto the top of the tile, as opposed to onto the modified bitumen under like uh, underlayment, it's just going to last. You know, if you let the water run like continuously under, under the tile without there being wind driven rain, over time, it's going to erode. It's going to cause leaks in certain areas, rotting out the wood. But if you install it right, it's a, it's a beautiful system down here. I like to do a lot of the composite stuff. You know, it's the same stuff that, you know, a large mouse theme theme park in uh, Orlando loves to use on all their buildings. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, man, this is literally lifetime products. I, I love tile. I love it so much, but I just, you know, the same way some people need to buy a Kia and some people want to buy a Mercedes, there is a substantial difference in price. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do, you, do you see a fair amount of, of uh, uh, standing seam metal roofing down there? Uh, I'd say fair amount. I guess let's assume it's maybe 3% of the market. Oh, okay. Gotcha. More of an accent then. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who want to install metal roof roofing, but you know, there's some people who swear by metal roofing if installed properly with like the proper heads and, you know, you make sure like all the washers and everything are covered. It's a, it's a nice system, but in Florida during rainy season from like, eh, I think it's like June until August about eh, one to 4 PM every day, it's going to sound like you're under attack. So because rainy season, we have these torrential downpours. And so while I might think about having a metal roof in another state, here it's just insane you're literally going to be yelling at each other while you wait for um the rain to stop and the rain's going to stop in an hour so once a day you might as well put some headphones in so like i think that that might be one of the reasons not as many people do metal but it's, it's kind of like a coastal thing so the farther to the coast you go the more metal you will find the farther inland you go the less metal you'll find yeah i'm starting to understand now why that test is so long <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot to it. It's a very, it seems to be a very diverse uh, state with a lot of options and a lot of uh, complexities. Yeah, man, dude, we're a gigantic state. I'm pretty sure it takes like 10 hours to drive from the top to the bottom. And, you know, you know, people make jokes like, oh, Florida man, this Florida man, that dude, like you could not pile all of us into one room and think we were all the same. Like, it's just, it's actually pretty cool. I, I really love this area. There it's like a gigantic melting pot, kind of like DC, except not as hoity-toity. And uh, dude, we just have all these different climates from all the way down in Miami, where it's just you're you're gonna burn to up in Jacksonville and Pensacola and the Panhandle. And uh, you just got to know how to deal with everything in different spots. And you know, the closer you are to the coast, we have wind maps and. You know, there are different load ratings that you need for different types of systems in order to permit them in different zones. And it's it's fun stuff, in my personal opinion. But, yeah, it's a, it's a very diverse state, no matter what the news tries to tell you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'd uh, love to shift gears just a little bit and, and talk about, you know, what are you guys doing really well today? What's 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 been working for you? Oh, man. 
it's a good, uh, you know, I was asked this question the other day and the answer is, is just a, just a lot of things. And I don't mean that in a, oh, wow, we're fantastic kind of way, but you know, and I'll explain it the same way. Everything's kind of like an aggregate of all the different points you get. In my opinion, you know, we have a nice brand that gives us like 10 points. You know, we have nice wraps that gives us another 10 points. You know, we're using social media that gives us another 10 points. You know, we, uh, I actually have multiple segues, you know, when people see a segue, they're like, yo, I want to work with you. That's probably going to give me 20 points, you know, in a, in a world where there are so many different roofers and, you know, there's, you can literally choose from anybody. Um, the differentiating factor is when I combine all of those things and, you know, people, people like that. So I, I'd say that our brand and the cohesiveness of what we have going on is probably the best thing. But the thing is, is that that's truly a mix of a lot of different things. Yeah, it's interesting. So, so the branding and the, the brand awareness of uh, the business has helped you because where do, do most of your, are most of your leads generating, are they coming inbound or, or are they generated as a result of uh, canvassing? So years ago, it was primarily door knocking. And now we actually have a hefty amount of inbound traffic. And like I said, I, I think I can only truly point to the brand for that. You know, the brand is, hey, look, accreditations. It's, you know, you see our vehicles everywhere. You know, we've been here for a while. You saw us on TV, you know, like that kind of stuff. So, yeah, we have a, we have a good amount of inbound traffic. And it's just simply because, in my opinion, we're more so memorable. Yeah. What, what are you doing to, to be memorable? Well, um, really, I just don't want to look like other roofers. And uh, I just don't want to be loped into the same bucket. So while everybody else is going to the same spot to get their logos, to get their you know, brand, and they're, they're going to go get the $15 Nike shirt or, you know, like off-brand polo. I, uh, man, we uh, we spend $60 on the Under Armour shirts. I want everybody to be comfortable. We, we buy goofy bucket hats. You know, we, uh, we make sure our logo looks different. I make sure that the design team puts together really good wraps and the trailers and then everything just kind of stands out because in a world where you know the average logo the average brand is a few stock photos and a guy you paid 500 dollars to build a website for you um we spend an exponentially larger amount on the brand i think that there's money in the brand and there's a there's actual tangible value in having that brand so I just full, full circle. I think we might've spent $50,000 on um, branding last year. And I think it actually pays itself off in spades 
when, um, you know, you walk into a room and you're pitching a million dollar contract and they're like, yeah, we've heard of you. Oh, really? Okay, cool. You know? So that's it. Just yeah. differentiating ourselves in that factor. As a sales rep, that would make me feel really good if, if, you know, I walk into that type of a contract or that type of deal and, and the people have heard of us. So yeah, I imagine that's, that's really helpful. And your, and your salespeople love that. What, what kind of content are you putting out there from a, from a social media perspective? Um, it's all geared towards the client. Everything I do is like, Hey, I want to teach you how this system actually works so you can navigate it. Whether you choose me, whether you choose somebody else, doesn't matter to me. Uh, one of my taglines is whether you need a policy expert, uh, calling a public adjuster, a legal expert, calling an attorney or a building expert, calling a contractor like me, you need to hire a professional today because you shouldn't navigate this by yourself, right? That's, that's literally my closing statement on my videos. Um, my content, you know, I do these silly things called story time with John. And I talk about a story that, you know, this is something that happened with another roofing contractor. This is something that happened with the building inspector. This is something that happened with an insurance company. And it's kind of like, I'm telling you a story to teach you something. And there's always the, Hey, this is what I wanted you to learn from this. I don't know why it's like this. It is like this though. So this is what you should learn. And then, Hey, no matter what you do, Make sure you get your professional as quickly as you can. You know, I believe in PAs. I believe in attorneys. And I believe in contractors. We all have our own lane and we can work together. I five our way to the client's bank. Yeah. Um, no, that's great. How, how, are you, how, are, how are you bringing on and, and maintaining good talent? Oh, so as somebody who's been a sales rep, um, we just try and be as fair as we can. Like, don't get me wrong. There's always going to be somebody who's going to try and take advantage of the company at some point. And, you know, they're never going to think anything's fair, but we have a very, very low attrition rate because of, you know, one of my old mentors actually taught me this. He said, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I attempt to do my best to make sure that, you know, the people who are involved in the company know that, you know, we actually give a crap about them and uh, we try and make sure that they're always paid fairly and paid on time as much as it is possible. And uh, yeah, just more so transparency, because the thing is, is that I try to add value to the project manager and to all the staff as well. The same way I would sell a client, I am also interested in selling the project manager, selling you know, the office staff, as in, hey, how can I help you? How can I make your life better? How can I help you achieve your goals? And in a situation like that, people are actually interested in achieving their goals. And when they've achieved goals with you, they feel like, oh, wow, I can keep going up. You know, they have forward motion. And with forward motion, why would you ever leave? And uh, that's generally speaking how I try to, I think that's, that's one of our, one of the ways we do this. Yeah. Um, how, you know, it's, it's funny. There's this, uh, it, let me caveat this by saying, I, I don't have a, a, an opinion, but there's this debate that often goes on about the, between retail sales reps and, you know, insurance restoration sales reps and retail sales reps feel like they're 
really selling. <laughs> uh, and I've been on both sides of this, right? I, I've sold insurance and I've sold in a retail market in New York. And, uh, you know, what's your take on, on the uh, amount of selling that transpires or takes place um, when it comes to a restoration project? So years ago, I actually think that they would have been right as far as retail being harder than insurance. And it also depends on the kind of market you're in. You know, nobody knew what insurance restoration was, you know, like eight years ago. They're like, oh, wow, you can get me a free roof. This is really cool. I've never heard of this. Nowadays, with the sheer amount of propaganda against insurance restoration contractors, with everybody and their uncle having had having had known somebody who's done this before, where it's more, it used to be one of the best kept secrets, you know, like if this industry, I think it was started in like the 80s more so in Texas, um, 40 years later, it's not a secret anymore. There is, you know, even with the advent of, uh, what was it, the SVG and Wind the Storm, there are more contractors active today than any time I personally remember. Um, with that kind of knowledge, you actually have to sell now. Because think about it, you used to be able to say, well, you know what? A lot of people can build a good roof, but very few can get them approved for you. Eh, it's not necessarily the case anymore. There are so many of us and literally the entire industry is evolving. So while you're like, oh, well, I need to, on the retail side, I'm going to make you part with your cash. On the insurance side, people have actually started feeling as though it is their cash. And, you know, why can't I keep some of this? The, the world's kind of kind of changed more so. And the higher deductibles get, the more you have to sell value, the more you have to be like, hey, look, it's not just a roof, you know, you're going to have to come out of pocket, which is a substantial amount to you. And, you know, we we want to sell you a better roof. We don't just want to be bargain Bob or, you know, Dan and Van Chuck in a truck. Um, I see both sides and I actually agreed with the retail side earlier in life and but like i said that the world's changed it's just not the same anymore and i think that insurance restoration has become harder and harder the more saturated the market has become with these kind of contractors you know like let me put this for and this is my last point on that i 10 years ago there were so few like i remember there was a big storm 2010 may 14th it ran through northern virginia and uh man, we were competing with like, you know, what's, what's assume five, 10 contractors. You know, we were even competing with Anthony Del Medico's company, uh, Abelard. And uh, back then it was like, okay, literally this market share is going to be split up five ways. And then like everybody else is going to get our scraps. Nowadays you get a hailstorm and you get 30 to 40 contractors rushing to the same zone. Yeah. So now the conversation isn't, Hey, you guys get that 20%. We'll get this 20%. Now it's like, man, you know what? I think I'd be cool with like 3% of this, this store. You know, like it's just the game's changed and it's, it's become exponentially harder, but I don't think retail's as hard as people say. And that's just my personal experience. Sure. Sure. Well, you might have some retail folks disagreeing, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's, that's fine. We're allowed to disagree. You know, I've literally done both and, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's good. Good point. Um, uh, also, uh, kind of along those lines in the evolving the, or the the industry's evolvement, 
I heard more and more recently uh, uh, around lump sum contracts as opposed to cost plus. What's your take on that? Well, there, there's one thing to be said, which is the primary point. And this is something Zig Ziglar used to say. He's like, I'm going to teach you all these different techniques. And you're going to say, this isn't going to work every time. He says, nope, nothing's going to work every single time. But when the time that it does work, you're going to be glad that you had it. We have done lump sum on multiple occasions. I like it. I also like Xactimate. I will actually meet the insurance company wherever they are until they're unreasonable with me. So for example, one insurance company, they want to use Simbility. Okay, fine. I'll play the game. We'll use Simbility. Another insurance company is like, I only use Xactimate. All right, fine. We'll use Xactimate. Another insurance company says, hey, I'm going to use SimSol. The second somebody brings up SimSol to me, I'm like, no, buddy, not going to happen. <laughs> I will lump sum that in five seconds. You think you're going to get me to do this route for 275 is where you can, I'm, I, we're, we're done talking. You know, so like literally I'll, de- yo, I'm ready to play ball until I feel like somebody's being unfair. So like if their preferential uh, preferred estimating software is exactimate, yo, dude, we're good. Like, let's just, let's just do it. You know what? Let's assume they say, Hey, John, this would be easier to get across the table as a lump sum. You know, I'm not here to gouge anybody. So yeah, come on, let's just do lump sum. Like I like doing lump sum. I like exactimate. I like simbility just. You know, they all have their place and um, I'm a huge fan. I'm, I'm actually glad that we're talking about it, but you know, here's, and I, I think one of the things that you were going to ask me is like, what is something you're more so worried about in the future? I, four years ago, I was using RFG as a trade code on Xactimate, yeah. and we were actually having quite a bit of success. Well, as soon as it became mainstream and everybody started using it, insurance companies had entire meetings about it and they did entire trainings about it. And then they wanted to figure out, hey, how are we going to get around this? So while we were on one side, we're like, hey, how do we get paid fairly? They on the other side were like, hey, we have to protect our bottom line. Hey, yo, look, man, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't, I'm not really here to cast stones, but at the same point, how do I take care of my client? And they're like, how do we take care of our client? And when their client is a shareholder, that's literally what they're doing. So they start having meetings and they exonate RFG as a trade labor code. Don't get me wrong. We get it maybe like 5% of the time now it is, but you know, it's not nearly as much as it used to be. So this whole lump sum thing, it's cool. It's now a buzzword. I just hope it doesn't go down the crapper the same way a lot of these other things have like when something hits popularity and you know you get beavis and butthead calling in an insurance company being like hey guys i just want to give you this lump sum contract dude they're going to try and freaking charge 900 dollars a square on a easy walkable right. shingle bro it's over like dude, right. they will find a way to uh go around us but you know i i'm a fan i think that's that's my final statement on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's an interesting idea. And like you said, I, I think you always need to stay sort of ahead of that curve. And uh, I think where, where the market's at today is sort of adopting that mindset of lump sum. 
Um, so yeah, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you is sort of, you know, what, uh, what challenges do you foresee in the future? Aside from, from that, is there anything else that you see facing the industry that may disrupt the way that you're currently doing things in the next, say, three to five years? All right. So door knocking is going to die to a larger extent sometime in the near future. When people, yeah, I, I've got three things here, and it's, it, these are things that keep you up at night, but, you know, whatever, we pivot. Um, was that evolve or dissolve? This is a fact. We have to evolve. So door knocking. I used to tell people, hey, don't worry. The Mormons got us. You know, it was the Church of Latter-day Saints. They went and sued, and they got the Supreme Court to protect knocking rights. Now, I don't know if I'm misquoting that, and I very well might be. doesn't matter. I've been using that line for years where I'd be like, yeah, you guys can't tell me I'm soliciting. This is literally my constitutional right. That's not going to fly for much longer. They're passing entire laws saying that you cannot knock and solicit in certain communities door to door, and they're going to get away with it. At some point, the whole door to door, hey, you know, you guys have damaged uh, business model is going to die. And you'll have to figure out how to target people digitally, target people through you know, whatever marketing scheme you can come up with. That's something that's a challenge that I worry about and I work on on a daily basis. The other thing is that I've been in Orlando for five years. And five years ago, I think 10 to 15% of the market was right to repair. Right to repair is where the insurance company can elect their, or I'm sorry, invoke what is called right to repair being that they are going to choose the contractor and they are going to set their price. They're going to send them out to your house, pay them directly. They're going to do the work and you don't really have a say in it because that's something you signed up for in your policy. Today, man, I think 40% of the market's right to repair. And I think at least 60% of them have the ability to invoke it if you get, if you get unruly. So over time, I personally believe that they're going to pigeonhole us much more similarly to the uh, the vehicle industry. You know, they have the not a book value. They have entire price sets about how much they're legally allowed to charge and all that. If they're going to work with the insurance company and the insurance company can just tell you to go pound sand. I believe that we're headed that direction where right to repair is going to be a constant factor and whether or not you're going to be able to work with, man, half, maybe even 75% of a neighborhood. And, uh, you know, they'll, that's definitely going to starve a lot of contractors. And the third thing is the deductibles. Man, deductibles are getting higher. They're getting even crazier. And, you know, it wasn't like this years ago. I remember when people started whispering about, you know, Hey man, they're going to start moving percentage deductibles onto everybody. I was like, Whoa, no way. You know, and then they started doing it. Then they started doing things like, uh, I think Allstate has RPS. What is it like roof or yeah, RPS roof something. It's basically where they prorate the granules on your roof based off of the lifespan of the roof. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you've literally lost 50% of your claim right there. And as they write these things into policies, as they get rid of matching, as they, you know, they increase these deductibles, eventually the truth of the matter is, is that the business as we know it will cease to exist. 
Because while we're constantly looking for a way to take care of the client, that's, you know, that's just, that, that might be some of us, like other people are looking for a way to increase their margins astronomically to an unreasonable end. And so in, in retort, the insurance companies are consistently looking for new ways to be like, oh, yo, you guys just tried to charge me more. I'm going to figure out how to pay you less. And it's this never ending battle where we're all just like ducking and weaving. So I think that they have the upper hand on us at this point. I really like the APA. I think that stuff like the American Policyholders Association is freaking awesome. And I'm really excited that they exist. But um, at the end of the day, the insurance company is the 10 ton gorilla and eventually they're going to write us out of existence. That's uh, that is something I see coming in the next five years. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a bleak way to end this podcast episode. <laughs> um, no, just, you know I'm what? <laughs> right, look, man, here's the thing. I, I, I said this to somebody else the other day. Here's the math in my head. This is how I wake up every morning. I don't need it all. Why do you need it all? Why do you like, why does that matter? It, it, it really doesn't. You know, when I look at roofs, if your average roof is $15,000 and you know that your gross margin is somewhere around 40% and you have to ask yourself the question, you have to know your numbers. How much do I need to write in order to have a reasonable life, take care of as many people as I legitimately can? And dude, if you divide like, a, what, 5 million by 15,000, I think I did the math um, the other day. Basically, it's uh, seven roofs a week multiplied by 50. Dude, that's easy. That's stupid easy. You can run a great company at that point. You know, you can take care of as many people as, as you want, really. And only doing about 350 roofs a year or 350 builds a year. Honestly, man, you're not even going to scratch the surface, but it'll truly enrich your life and the other people around you. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to, you don't have to gouge, you know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. And so Absolutely. at the end of the day, I'd rather, I'd rather be a pig. And I don't, I don't like to think of myself as a pig, but I'm not really interested in getting slaughtered and I want to be fair to as many people as I can be. And you know, that's a, that's it. There's, there's always going to be a world world for, uh, for good contractors. We will never go out of, go out of business in the sense that you always need somebody honest to be able to do your work and do the right thing and be there to back it up. But this is going to be a very tough time for a lot of people who have relied on, um, other skill sets. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I think it's great advice. I think it gives people something uh, to really think about and, and, you know, um, either evolve and sort of change their business with this kind of, uh, mindset in place or, uh, you know, be a hog. <laughs> I think those yeah. are kind of your options. Um, as we wrap this up, I just wanted to ask you, you know, Looking back when, when you were a sales rep, we have a lot of um, listeners who, who are sales reps. What's something that you wish you would have known, you know, say in your first year of being a sales rep that you've learned now, uh, you know, many years later? You can't cheat time. Everybody wants to find that easy way out. And you know, everybody's like, oh, it, dude, nothing drives me more insane than the guy who sold for six months and uh, 
says, Oh, I'm going to go start a roofing company. No, you're a moron. Um, literally over time, the more situations you deal with, the better you will be able to take care of your clients over, you know, the expanse of whatever this is. I don't think you can learn this industry and be proficient in less than two years. I've had this conversation with many people. I brought a lot of people along and literally it's usually that start of year three where people start looking at me being like, John, I get it. I think I finally get it. And so there's, there's really no shortcut to success here. I don't think that you're just going to wake up one day and be like, I have finally made it. It's the culmination of a series of events over a long period of time that's really going to make you ready. And like, and the reason I say, I wish I knew this is because I was always trying to jump ahead too quickly because I was like, no man, I can get the next step. But I didn't know that I didn't know. So now one of my favorite questions for other professionals is what am I not asking? What should I know that I am not asking you right now? You know more than me. What, what am I not asking? And, you know, literally I learned, I learned something every day, but back then, maybe 10 years ago, I was like, man, I'm the man I'm selling all these, you know, whatever it was. I just, I thought so much more highly of myself than I ought to. And all I needed to do was put in the time and put in the work. Cause you know, I guess the world and time can't be cheated. And that, that, that would be it. Yeah. It's a, it's a great question, you know, to ask because you're right. You don't know what you don't know. And uh, I think, I think, um, when you're young or early on in, in something, you, you may overestimate your confidence or your abilities. Um, John, this has been great. Really appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, our listeners will take a, a lot away from this and, and I think you gave them some things to think about. So uh, I appreciate you joining us and thanks. Hey man, thanks for, thanks for having me on. You take Abs- care. Absolutely. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow us on our social channels. Until next time, see ya.